The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink! The TNT Shop has it all at tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We've got a geopolitical powerhouse of the next two hours. We've got Rick Rozoff of Stop NATO Anti-War joining us. It's been quite a while since I've spoken to Rick. I hung out with him last year. And then Brandon Weikart uh, is up second hour to talk Ukraine, Middle East, globalism, whatever you like. He's got amazing books uh, as well. I've got all of Brandon's books. He was at CPAC as well, recently speaking there. So feel free to chime in. Uh, throw in your comments and questions in the interactive live chat at tntradio.live or send them to my email, uh, which is on the TNT page, or call in. Call in. Uh, some news first. A fantastic meme. When you had that, uh, it's it's a capture of that SNL skit where they're making fun of the dictatorship in Venezuela. Weather too hot, climate change. Weather too cold, climate change. Weather not changing at all, believe it or not climate change uh it was reported today um physics.org uh phys.org scientists create new idea on how to hack a warming planet drying the upper atmosphere somebody please give these scientists something to do because apparently they've got too much time on their hands and they're coming up with wacky suicidal ideas government scientists have cooked up a new concept for how to potentially cool an overheating earth uh i don't think the earth is even overheating but okay whatever fiddle with the upper atmosphere to make it a bit drier water vapor water in its gas form is a natural greenhouse gas blah 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 okay yeah so yeah let's why not terraform uh it's, it's basically playing uh, frankenstein with the entire planet fantastic uh idea uh an another fantastic idea reported yesterday biotech company bets on gmo mosquitoes to fight dengue in brazil as cases surge british biotech company oxitec betting on a solution to brazil surging dengue cases releasing genetically modified mosquitoes to reduce the viral infections spread um Great idea. Why not? Here's, here's another great idea. Spain is preparing to ban short-haul flights. You know, France has done it. Spain is now doing it. Uh, so they're going to ban short air, air flights if there's a train that's available. They may even uh, ban private jets. Oh, no. What is Bill Gates going to do? Uh, so... The country's pushing to ban domestic plane routes if there are train alternatives. Neo-feudalism. This is the basically worldwide suicide, as Eddie Vedder sings in one of his Pearl Jam songs, and it's getting even better. But wait, there's more. Financial Times today reports. Green audits are coming for a company near you. American companies are trying to head off the introduction of strict rules like those imposed in the Fourth Reich, a.k.a. New European Soviet, a.k.a. 
Euroslavia, aka the European Union. Green activists never used to attack accountants. No wonder bean counters work seems dull compared with oil drillers or flamboyant bankers. Uh, Global Accounting Standards Body experienced the first the uh, protesters stormed its New York meeting. Um, and basically, this is already happening here in Mexico. I have friends here in Mexico working in different corporations, and they tell me that they're, they're, they're already doing green audits in Mexico. They're checking, you know, do you have uh, the, quote, the quota of transgender people? Um, how much electricity is the company using? Are they, you know, they have to... May, they can't reach a certain threshold of electricity use, uh, renewables, blah blah blah, and so it's it's got it's communism, it's collectivism, it's 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 a combination of fascism and communism. I don't know what to call it: globalism, technocracy, dictatorship, and it's slowly being rolled in all around the planet. Um, also being reported today, uh, China says. Uh, that uh, U.S. becomes biggest threat to space security. Our second guest, uh, Brandon Weikart, wrote a book on this. I've interviewed him about this, a fantastic book. The U.S. is actively deploying offensive weapons in space and conducting military exercises, which makes it the biggest threat to space security, says China's uh, defense ministry spokesman. The U.S. has already become the biggest driving force in militarizing space and turning it into a battlefield. It's become the biggest threat to space security. He says, we'll ask Brandon about that. Also, Silicon Valley's next mission, help the U.S. catch China and Russia in uh, hypersonic weapons. Tech founders and investors play, place bets on, a super, on um, hypersonics, basically. So the U.S. is behind, and venture capitalists now want to help U.S. get the hypersonics and catch up with China and Russia so we could have a fantastic third world war. Awesome. <laughs> good, good stuff. Uh, and censorship news. Um, Compact Magazine, which I read uh, read from time to time, uh, its its um, news outlets in Germany have decided to stop selling Compact Magazine because it supports AFD, the German uh, party that is pro sovereignty, uh, anti globalist. Uh, you've also got um, interesting article posted by Mint Press uh, from Alan McLeod, which they they do a study on the media's coverage of. Uh, Navalny and Gonzalo Lira, where there were 700 plus segments on Navalny uh, in February uh, during this month for a week, compared to just one on Gonzalo Lira since his death in January. But, you know, hey, we've got a free speech media. I ignore that. Everything is fine. Go back to sleep uh, and go download the TNT radio app from the either the apple app store or google play store so you can easily watch or listen live to us anywhere anytime it's available right now to download keeping you up to speed on today's news talk tnt it's the stuff what citizen wouldn't want to make american great again people are talking about vilifying mago if it's not gonna work today's news talk radio tnt New York Attorney General Letitia James, who became a household name as a result of her involvement with former President Donald Trump's drama-filled New York fraud trial, has accused the U.S. branch of JPS, the world's largest producer of 
beef products of misleading the public about its environment environmental impact here with the story joining me now is tnt news producer adam clark aka ruckus thanks sir rory me thinks this lady is not trying to make friends with uh, a certain segment of the population um quick backstory courtesy of the gateway pundit uh, a far left judge recently ordered trump to pay a 355 million dollar judgment which is now swelled to 464 million dollars with interest and banned trump from doing business in new york for three years after Letitia James sought to destroy the former president. James charged Trump for taking out loans, paying them back with interest, and making money for himself and the banks. There were no victims in the case except Trump, and the banks said they would gladly do business with Trump again. A lawless judge in New York fined Trump the original $355 million for doing business in New York State. Now, the same attorney general is waging a war on the meatpacking giant J. ABS USA Foods Co. Uh, in a press release, or no, sorry, in a lawsuit, thank you, uh, on February 28th, filed in the New York State Supreme Court, Miss James that JBS has claimed it will achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040, despite having no viable plan in place to meet that goal. According to Ms. James, JBS USA has made misleading statements about its pledges to curb deforestation and reduce greenhouse gas emissions to capitalize on consumers who gravitate toward low emission companies. The Attorney General's office says animal agriculture accounts for nearly 15% of annual global greenhouse gas emissions, while beef production emits the most of any major food commodity commodity. Ms. James said, quote, JBS Group and JBS USA repeatedly misled consumers with these claims while the company's executives told their industry peers that they needed to use messaging targeted to climate conscious consumers in order to remain competitive. In reality, when making these promises, JBS Group and JBS USA had not calculated the company's total greenhouse gas emissions, and therefore had no way of knowing whether they could successfully reduce those emissions to net zero by 2040, end quote. It almost sounds like she's net, net, net picking. Let's see what I did there. Uh, in the press release from Ms. James's office announcing the lawsuit, it's alleged that JBS reported total global greenhouse gas emissions of more than 71 million tons of 20, in 2021. As a result, Ms. James says the company's quote-unquote net zero commitment is not feasible given the current scope of the JBS Group's business operations and its plans to increase beef production significantly. She said, quote, JBS has claimed that it will achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040, despite documented plans to increase production and therefore increase its carbon footprint. Further, the JBS Group's greenhouse gas emissions calculations have not accounted for emissions resulting from deforestation in the Amazon, end quote. Uh, Ms. James is asking the courts to force JBS USA to end its net zero by 2040 campaign and to return any profits connected to the pledge uh, there are civil penalties of up to five thousand dollars per violation that are being sought uh, the number of alleged violations will be determined at trial uh, miss james claims that consumers are increasingly concerned about their environmental impact and they put greater trust in companies and brands that pledge to be sustainable 
or climate conscious. And, you know, I, that's, that's how I do it, Rory. I don't know about you. It's the first thing I think of. In fact, true story, I bought a brand new pair of sneakers the other day and they came to me, unbeknownst to me, they're vegan because there was a tag on my sneakers that said they were vegan. And I was just like, thank goodness. Uh, what do you think about this story? Let them eat cereal. That's what I think. I don't know if you caught that other story where the head of Kellogg's was basically saying, yeah, you should, for Americans should for dinner have cereal. It's cheaper. Let, you know, not let them eat cake, let them eat cereal. Because you, you can't eat meat anymore. So, uh, and cereal, you know, Truthstream Media, they made the good point that cereal was uh, animal feed, basically. Like imagine the psyops, the, the, the power of their psyops that they... <laughs> They convince us that animal feed should become a, a staple of our diet. But this is, uh, you know, it goes with that sort of with that green audit news that I was mentioning. This is effectively kind of like a green uh, audit on uh, JB, uh, JBS and foods, JBS foods. And, you know, it's no more airplanes, no more meat. You know, I was mentioning in Spain, they want to take away the airplanes, can't eat meat. And this entire paradigm is is false, if you ask me. The net zero, which I call death zero, net zero by 2040. Uh, and, and what shoppers look for, it's like when I'm shopping, first I look, is it healthy? Can I put it in my body? Is it is it like food? You know, without, does it have one or two ingredients like meat or an apple? <laughs> so is it healthy? Then I look at the price. And then any other extra extras. I don't really care if it's, you know, the, the the green stuff. Sure, that helps. If it's local, it's better to buy local, obviously, for health reasons, for financial reasons, for green reasons. I don't even want to use that language, green reasons. Green, it's a cult. This is a cult. Green, we, I, I talked about this with Terry last time. Climate crimes. No, I'm not using their language, green. Uh, but And how do they even calculate the pledge, as you mentioned? Um, how do you even calculate that stuff? It's this is just plain and simple totalitarianism. Um, as you mentioned, they did it with Trump. Now they're coming after the meat. Uh, you know, wh what's next? Um, your further thoughts. They're coming after us next, Harori. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> anyways, let's not go there. Um, the thing is, a hot take here real quick for everybody. I agree with uh, everything that Letitia James is saying. It's just that uh, let's point out that this is true for everybody involved in this this scam, this this pledge to be net zero. The governments, the companies, it's not just JB's meats. It's it's this whole thing is garbage. It's a scam. It's not going to work. And they're just uh, trying to kill us slowly, Herbori. By the way, I, you were talking about the, the animal feed. I, I grew up on a small farm, and the first time that I saw the slop is what it's called that you feed to pigs i was like huh it kind of looks like a mixture of oatmeal and like cereal when it gets all mushy and yep there you have it same food they want us to eat cereal i gotta admit though on occasion i haven't had cereal in a really really long time i guess it goes through phases you know i think like two years ago was it and i would it's funny though i would i would have it Never for breakfast. I ended up when I was a kid, you'd have it for breakfast. When I got uh, as an adult, I, I would actually have it for for dinner, like uh, the Kellogg's guy was was saying, um, like more like a midnight snack. But um, yeah, eat healthy, eat meat, um, eat whatever uh, floats your boat, I guess. All right. Catch up with you in a bit.
Ruckus, we got Rick Razoff uh, joining us. We'll be right back. TNT's Darren Denslow. The recent announcement by the Office of National Statistics, the ONS here in the UK, with regards to them changing their uh, excess death uh, methodology. Or, uh, to the layman that's listening, they've reinvented counting, which is quite good, quite convenient. I hope that's passed down uh, through the education system. And now, uh, last year, there were almost no excess deaths. That's great, they've solved the excess death problem. In fact, since 2020, uh, they have they have decided that most of the excess deaths didn't happen. Digging deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. The benefits of advertising on today's news talk, TNT Radio, should be clear to businesses of any shape or size. It can be accessed anywhere, anytime, by anybody, and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's been a while, but joining us is rebel dissident Rick Rozoff, who's been involved in the anti-war uh, movement, anti-interventionist work in uh, many different uh, capacities for 40-plus years. He's out there in Chicago, my hometown. How's it going, Rick? It's going well. It's going well uh, for me. <laughs> for the world, I think it's a different thing, and we'll be talking about that. But thanks for asking. Uh, personally, uh, uh, thanks be to God, my health and everything else is good. That's that's good. And, you know, we we're hanging out last year with Colonel Doug yeah. McGregor out there in Chicago with a lot of fun uh i might I'm, if I'm, i might be going to chicago soon so i might I might be seeing you uh, uh again and you know as you mentioned yeah yesterday last night i had on west point grad uh, former army officer joaquin hagopian who's absconded to indonesia uh he said it's really bad situation um as you alluded to right now you agree i agree next hour i've got brandon weikart joining us who i also think agrees and that's unnerving so many of us now are coming to the same conclusion that things are progressively getting worse. What, what's your pulse on the state uh, of the world and geopolitics? You might recollect, by the way, just to you know, uh, uh, bolster your your concerns, that Douglas McGregor uh, last summer said something to that effect during the question and answer period. That uh, when asked what would be a um, optimal resolution of the current crisis domestically in the United States. He essentially said he didn't see one. And he thought, and I'm paraphrasing him, of course, that you know things may have to bottom out so that we can build things back up from, you know, from scratch, as opposed to simply putting band-aid on a uh, band-aids on a terminal well patient and hoping he comes around. That's not going to be the case. And if anything, the contagion will simply be spread. Uh, but where do we start uh, in answer to your question? Uh, there is conflagration after conflagration internationally. There's uh, turmoil and indecision during yet another presidential election year in the United States. So you have the combination of the, the intersection of those two uh, make matters particularly volatile. And I'm afraid not really susceptible to rational analysis when you've got a general population which is being uh, incited 
and uh, you know by inflammatory techniques and including you know most particularly um, um, provocative headlines and and pseudo news and so forth as as you talked about with your guest Terry yesterday you know even the uh, allegedly alternative news on the internet is is increasingly bombastic uh, uninformed in many instances uh, heaven knows whose purposes they're ultimately serving and that sort of thing so we have to be all the more critical and all the more skeptical of information but if you want my overall assessment of the global situation we're in a period of uh, almost a reversion to barbarism uh, this this is something more evocative of uh, wars of uh, the late Roman Republic and early Empire when there were wars simultaneously waging in in Europe Africa and the Middle East there are now and uh, there seems to we seem to have gained nothing in that two millennium interim uh, in terms of understanding, in terms of humanity, we uh, humanity as a whole is either supportive of, on one side or another perhaps, uh, supportive of or indifferent to, uh, really wars of attrition, wars of extermination, and humanity doesn't seem to be morally or otherwise offended by it. That's what I think is the most disturbing aspect of, of it all. Yeah, I, I would totally... Um agree and and uh, there's a number of things there you know when you mentioned the alternative media mainstream alternative media the alternative industrial complex i heard someone use and you know the deep state is moving in it's what i would do if i was in the deep state and it's it is the fog of war we don't know who's who there are interests backing beginning to back certain alternative media i mentioned yesterday that i want to be i don't want to be anybody's um stooge i don't want to be i don't want to be putin stooge i don't want to be xi jinping stooge i don't want to be washington london brussels stooge that's how it should be um and you know nato i had a conversation this week with alfred desires who's my former professor and un expert and he even even he as he's getting older he's being more outspoken he says nato uh can be classified under international law as a criminal organization he says the eu is a scam uh, and so I know you've worked um, with, you know, Stop NATO for so many years, and they're just playing with fire now. Uh, you know, I was reading the uh, Netherlands was talking about sending troops to Ukraine. Uh, Putin is talking about they're they're doing war game exercises regarding nukes, uh, and it's just it's getting crazy. What are your thoughts on NATO and their they just they're they're not like they're not getting it. They're just doubling down on their insanity. There's a statement today, I just saw it on a Russian site, I, I assume it's an accurate uh, characterization of the comments by U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin saying that should Ukraine lose in, in the current war, and which has entered its third year, as we know, uh, current war with Russia, that NATO might go to war with Russia. That's almost a, a quote uh, from, from Austin. And that shouldn't be any surprise, you know, for those of us who have in fact paid attention to these things. And what paying attention means is not listening to some third, fourth generation podcast from, you know, somebody in Iowa who's uh, never bothered to look at the original sources, because that's the vast bulk of, of what people listen to. And I think that's one of the reasons people are mis misinformed, of course, uh, that, uh, it was perfectly predictable that the optimal situation from the West, you know, the um, triumvirate, if you will, of the European Union and NATO, as you mentioned, and the United States, they're essentially inseparable. Uh, you know, Brussels, Washington, uh, in the fact that EU and, and uh, NATO uh, headquarters are essentially across the street from each other in Brussels, and the U.S. seems to be able to call the major shots um, in terms of what happens within the ostensibly European Union, you know, should put to rest 
uh, any unfortunately still lingering, uh, you know, misconceptions that there's uh, the EU is some kind of counterbalance to the U.S. and so forth. I mean, all that I think we know by now is nonsense. But it's really a shame that it took us 30 years to get to to, to achieve that understanding. But what uh, was patently obvious, and there were soundings in major newspapers of record in the United States. Um, you know, towards the end of 2021, there was an editorial by, by Max Boot, I can re recollect, I think, in the Wall Street Journal. There was one by Ian, not Mark, but Ian Brzezinski. Mark Brzezinski, his brother, is, of course, the U.S. ambassador to Poland and uh, uh, assumed that post after the war began with, between Ukraine and Russia, which is, you know, I think fairly uh, indicative of um, how much stress the U.S. places on that. There was something Brzezinski son to kind of stage manage or oversee or choreograph that. And and what uh, they were suggesting was luring Russia into some sort of, and they have different models, an Afghan model, a Syrian model, a uh, post-World War II Ukrainian insurgent model. But nevertheless, they wanted to lure Russia into a war of attrition and a proxy war. And only failing that, I think that's how we should interpret the statement by by Lloyd Austin, only failing that would NATO f uh, feel compelled to intervene directly, uh, you know, to finish the job, as it were. Um, I may have sent you a, a brief comment by Paul Craig Roberts the other day where he, he summarized something I've been saying, you know, for the last two years, that the war, uh, from the Russian perspective, the war has been going on over two years in a military operation should not have lasted two weeks. Um, I think that's a fair, fairly accurate assessment, and we, we now have to ask the question, why, having been warned in advance that the U.S. would prefer uh, a you know, bloody war of attrition, why would Russia go along with that plan, uh, as it appears to have done and continue doing? Uh, and uh, that coupled with uh, you know, what's going on in Gaza, and uh, it got past you know, people's uh, notice, of course, because they don't care. But in September of last year, you may know, the entire ethnic Armenian population of Nagorno-Karabakh was driven out of its ancestral homeland, somewhere they've probably occupied, that is, the community, for 3,000 years or more. And the world uh, you know, ignores that summarily. As they ignored the first Armenian genocide, we know what followed in, uh, you know, as a result of that. So you have all of this going on, and you have a world populace with access to the sort of information you and I have you know, through the miracle that in, is the internet. And uh, they are less informed and less concerned, I would argue, than somebody a century ago was. You know, who would yeah. get to, get a very, uh, you know, summary description of these things in a newspaper and they were more concerned, they were more informed. I, I'm very uh, despondent about that. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, the psychological operations are are just uh, amazing. And uh, it's a brave new world uh, stuff. And we're going to jump real quick, Rick, to our headlines. We'll be right back. We have some wonderful news for you. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Russian President Vladimir Putin has issued a grave warning to NATO countries, asserting that any development of Western troops to Ukraine could dangerously escalate the conflict to the verge of nuclear war. Roscosmos, the Russian space agency, has assured that a leak on the International Space Station's Russian Zvezda module is under control and poses no risk to the crew or the station itself. A Canadian tourist in Hawaii miraculously survived after accidentally driving off a cliff while trying to find a spot to watch the sunrise on Hawaii's Big Island. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio.
we're talking to Rick Rozoff, who's done a lot of great work over the years. Uh, I was uh, looking at your stuff the other day. I mean, you've been on, there's there's um, interviews where you were on James Corbett uh, over a decade ago, um, anti-war global research. Is there any best website for, and you suffered a censorship from WordPress when it came to stop NATO. Um, what are some of the best websites that, that people can go to for uh, your work? You know, I'm asked that frequently. I'm, I'm going to have to say, at, 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 and I, I'm saying this, by the way, with all due respect, uh, there's no shortcut. You know, I mean, I, people can listen to your uh, program and other TNT programs, of course, and I, you know, audio or audio visual now, and I recommend they do so. But uh, in terms of uh, reading matter, uh, everyone wants um, the world with a, a ribbon tied around it, as the old expression has it. They they want a succinct summary so that they don't have to do anything themselves, and that's not how life works, in in any in any regard, in any aspect. So that uh, what I would recommend, if people really are concerned about any particular part of the world, uh, there are English language online websites from every country in the world practically uh find out who they are hunt them down and glance at the headlines at least in the morning if you if people are really concerned but but i suspect that the fact that most people uh are not informed is because they're not concerned rather than the other way around and i think it's it's a, a misconception to suggest that if people were given the proper information they would care when given the proper information very few people care so uh if i'm not going to do anyone's work for them <laughs> frankly i've never been paid a penny for what i did and even if i had been i think it's it's important as a heuristic device if you like uh to encourage people to do their own uh, you know research by going i mean if what are we talking about gaza uh go to some of the arab lang arab speaking nations uh, news websites go to Arats and Jerusalem Post, we want the Israeli side, uh, go to, you know, whatever, and then, you know, think think for yourself, you know, hash out, through the hash out the material, uh, analyze it, compare it to something, do a little bit of research, come to your own conclusion. That's what I tell everyone. And, um, you know, the fact that uh, people want, I can mention names, but I'd, I'd probably just be provocative, but there are a number of, uh, you know, alternative thinkers, Noam Chomsky, Noam Chomsky, for example, um, who, uh, you know, everyone can turn to this guy, you know, he's already uh, uh, chewed off, masticated, digested, uh, metabolized, everything, and he'll, he'll put it out on a plate for you very easily, and then you don't have to do anything about it. Uh, or uh, you can, uh, you know, engage in joint activities as you and I and other people are collectively in sharing information and hunting it down and, and processing it and analyzing it. I, you know, I think the, the online community needs to do more than that, uh, more of that and less uh, passive consumption of news. Chomsky would send us to the camps, if we recall, during yes, he would. COVID. He, he would. So. I can assure you. Without going into details, he would send me to him or let me starve to death in my apartment to use his own language. Right. Uh, but you mentioned Israel, Gaza. Again, this is another front of the coming or some people say we're already in World War Three. Some people say it's psychological, non-kinetic for now. Uh, but your, you know, your thoughts on Israel, Gaza. Yeah, I, again, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Christian. I believe that the state of Israel sh should exist. But like if we look at it objectively, they are unnecessarily killing a lot of Palestinians. They are, by their own admission, saying they've got a plan to expel all of these people away. You know, but by certain definitions of international law, of geo, you know, geopolitics, politics, it's they're doing things that other 
countries, states in past history that, that have done the same thing have gotten into a lot of trouble for. Um, and then not only that, we've got, you know, this could be used as a pretext, a launching pad to start war with Iran. Uh, and, and so many other things, you know, the Red Sea stuff, um, uh, the, 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 the Houthi rebels and, and, and whatnot. But what, what's your take on what's happening in the Middle East? I would say with, with the Gazan-Israeli Gaza conflict, as well as the Russian-Ukrainian one, by the way, um, it's just about 400 years ago that the uh, Dutch scholar uh, Hugo Grotius wrote his work on war and peace. And in international law, um, on war and peace issues particularly, there's a distinction made between, what's in Latin, they use the terms, uh, use ad bellum and use in bello. Uh, the first means, is a military campaign uh, justified in and of itself? Is the use of military aggression against a neighbor or somebody else, is it justified under any circumstances? The second one, the use in Bello, is without uh, questioning whether uh, the legitimacy of the, of the war, uh, are the means used in, in conducting the war justifiable according to international law? And I'm afraid uh, when people, when nations wage war, they, they play fast and loose with those two categories. So, in other words, they'll um, say that uh, if the war itself is justified, then the means used to prosecute the war are justified. And uh, you shouldn't pay attention to, you know, how many hospitals are bombed or how many children are killed because we're justified in, in uh, you know, launching or conducting this war. This is one of the, you know, propaganda sleights of hand that are pulled off. And unfortunately, if people don't stop and think about it, uh, you know, we're susceptible to falling for that sort of thing. Um, you know, similarly, we can say the war is unjustified. But uh, as it's going on, then you can't really place limits on, on which weapons, you know, phosphorus bombs or depleted uranium or whatnot, uh, because war is war after all, right? All's fair in love and war. Um, so we have to understand that we're talking about two distinct issues here, whether the use of military force is justified, and if so, under which circumstances, and uh, when war is being conducted, and this is where it becomes really paradoxical, it becomes, to me, morally offensive. It's that uh, when war is justified, I would stop it right there. War as a practice of, sta of uh, states is, is unjustified under any circumstances. If one country commits the crime of military aggression against another, I suppose the second has a right to defend itself. But I don't think we should be talking about war in the 21st century as though it's a normal means of conducting state-to-state -state relations. And I'm afraid that much of the world now has accepted that. And this is what I meant about the uh, reversion to barbarism. Uh, I think because if your listeners don't know it, um, the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations uh, spoke yesterday. He's one Galad Erdan. And uh, I'll give you a, a short quote because this will tie together several of the issues we're talking about. Uh, and this is a quote from the Israeli ambassador to the United Nations. Both of our countries, Ukraine and Israel, are fighting a battle for our survival. We, we both Israel and Ukraine, you noticed, uh, you know, they're coupling them, he's coupling them, are now living in an era during which forces of instability act with impunity, international law be damned, and so forth. He then, this is a paraphrase from the Russian press, by the way, um, he accused Russia of, quote, moving closer. And I've seen the video, so I can uh, you know, attest to the uh, accuracy of, of what's being reported here, to the, quote, global forces of destabilization and, quote, regimes in Iran, Syria, North Korea, and Venezuela. So he's accusing Russia of essentially either heading up 
or being a member of a new axis of evil, which includes Iran, Syria, North Korea, and Venezuela. It's no surprise to anyone who'd followed my writings over the years that you know I would meticulously analyze uh, statements and testimony by heads of different U.S. military commands as well as services. And what you would see over the last three years or so is inevitably there'd be two top-tier uh, uh, opponents or adversaries, every branch of the U.S. and every command of the U.S. identifying their Russia and China. And then the second tier were Iran and North Korea. Um, now, as you can see, Israel is thrown for good measure Venezuela and Syria into the mix. And what that suggests then is that, and by the way, there was also, a, it's not a government official currently, but somebody pretty close to uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu was on Russia today. It was on RT the other day, uh, speaking or shouting, frankly, uh, along the same lines, you know, blaming Russia as being, uh, supporting Hamas and so, so, so I think, you know, just to sidetrack this a bit, that uh, there is an effort being made to link these two issues, the war in Ukraine and the war in Gaza, with perhaps others, the war in Syria. And we have to recollect that you know, Syria has been under almost weekly bombardment by, uh, by Israel for uh, 10 years now, 12 years. And in instances, you know, who knows how many Syrian uh, people, uh, military and, and civilian have been killed? Who knows how many Russian? advisors have been killed by Israel, frankly, no one will talk about that. And we see again, Russia, you know, permitting this to occur, and uh, basically allowing Israel free hand inside Syria. So the the issue is not as Manichaean, it's not as black and white. I think it sometimes as people are, are thinking, but I, I'm afraid that the West, again, US, EU, NATO, and Israel may be drawing up plans, as I think you're intimating, for a much broader war, and one extra-regional, uh, one larger than, you know, with US renewed US military activity in both Iraq and Syria, as well as Yemen, uh, and Israeli attacks inside Lebanon, and so forth. We're already talking about a regional war. It could become larger. Yeah, I, I, I see that same thing and maybe also i mean so many things are popping up every day so as you sort of laid that out and then i hear this week political reports uh, again we're taking into account as you mentioned the different publications from different countries their biases and all that but political reports uh in belarus that uh belarusian dissidents are planning a coup Oh, and we can assume, you know, another attempt at a color revolution. It's like the 10th time they're trying to color revolution Lukashenko. And then at the same time, you've got Pashinyan in Armenia saying we want to leave CSTO, which I think, mm -hmm. again, in when we put all of these things together, this is pretty like big, big stuff, right? Pashinyan saying, let's get out of a, a CSTO. Um, then you've got uh, Azerbaijan talking again about a renewed war in that region. Um, any thoughts um, on on some of the, uh, some of that? And then uh, Transnistria talking about let's let's be annexed by um, Russia. Any thoughts on sort of uh, those rumblings? Yeah, I'll try to be as, as succinct as I can on the question of um, of uh, Armenia leaving the CSTO or suspending its membership in the CSTO. Uh, there are 15 former Union republics in the Soviet Union. Um, until Armenia suspended its membership in the CSTO, there are only six, which is, say, 40% of the former Union republics of the Soviet Union who are members. Uzbekistan at one point had been and withdrew. Um, 
I run into constantly when I talk about the Turkish and Azeri uh, Azerbaijani aggression against not only Nagorno-Karabakh but the invasion of parts of uh, is a break coming up uh, parts of uh, Armenia itself in May of uh, 2022, and then I get this uh, response: "Well, it's all Pashinyan." Well, hold on a moment. Uh, Russia is obligated to defend uh, fellow CSTO members under Article 5 of the uh, Charter of the CSTO. When Armenia went to the CSTO after Azerbaijani groups, uh, troops came into Armenia proper, they were told this was a border dispute and the CSO had no obligation to defend them. So, um, Mr. Uh, Lukashenko, who is no great friend of uh, Mr. Putin until the, uh, you know, the latest color revolution attempt to kind of forced him into Russia's arms, um, now is, uh, you know, had better watch that when it becomes politically expedient for him to be thrown to the wolves that he may not end up as Armenia has. Uh, the cruelest irony, though, was when the crisis in Kazakhstan recently, as you recollect, where the CSTO for the first time ever sent a small uh, military contingent to defend the government, Armenia sent troops to defend Kazakhstan when Kazakhstan supported Azerbaijan's war against Nagorno-Karabakh. So it's asking too much from anyone. You know, any Armenian uh, to support uh, the CSTO under those circumstances, I would suspect. I'm going to catch a lot of hell for this, incidentally, you know, from some of those people for whom nothing Putin does is wrong. Um, but uh, you have to you have to look at elementary things like, you know, pan-Turkism and expansion of, a you know, the uh, organization of Turkic states. The uh, And I suspect, and I'll be honest about this and no one else will, that you can take sides on the Gazan-Israeli one based on your political, you know, left or right, based on whether you are more partial towards Jews or Muslims. But when a Christian population like the Armenians in Nagorno-Karabakh get evicted, there's nobody who cares, especially Christians don't care. You know, evangelical Christians and other dispensationalists are much more concerned about biblical prophecy, so they'll support the extermination of Christian people. If if it appears, you know, Israel has armed Azerbaijan for its attacks against Azerbaijan, I mean, against uh, Nagorno-Karabakh, for example. And until people stand up and say, you know, you don't take human life regardless of the religious uh, affiliation of the people involved. I mean, how primitive is that? Anyways, I think a yeah. break is coming yeah, I mean, that's an important point. I, I point this out myself as a Christian, where you've got this mainline, I'd call it kind of fake Christianity, saying, bomb Iran, um, let Israel do whatever it wants. Like, that's not very Christian. Then you're killing Palestinian Christians, as you mentioned. It's like, well, wait a minute, they're my brothers. Or you're killing um, Armenian Christians. It's like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. And there's just so, so many angles here. And, and just to add to what you were saying, the pan-Turkic uh, thing, I just read uh, this week as well that it seems like the U.S. is now favoring Turkey against Greece. There are some developments there. So there's all, all these little, these moving parts. Uh, it, it is time for our break. We'll be right back. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Scientists are freaking out over how warm the ocean has gotten. They should freak out. You know why? Because it's proof that it cannot be man-made. CO2 back radiation only penetrates the top millimeter or two of the oceans. So what's warming the ocean? Well, if you've been listening and following some of my writings, it appears logical and appears obvious that this has to be natural, specifically geothermally driven. Now, there are some other arguments out there. The solar people say because of the reduction of 
incoming rays. It could be affecting the cloud cover. However, as a meteorologist, I could tell you why there's less cloud cover over the tropics. If it warms, and it's going to be distorted warming because of what we call the thermal halene circulation, it warms more away from the equator than around the equator. It affects the vertical velocity patterns, which lessen the upward motion over the tropical oceans. And guess what happens? You have less clouds. Now, I'm not going to get into an argument with my solar friends. I will tell you this. Those scientists that are panicking over how warm the ocean is getting should be panicking because it means that they can't possibly be right as to the cause and their gravy train should come to an end. I'd be panicking too. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. Sometimes a car comes along that changes everything with innovations never thought possible and features that make you wonder, how did people survive without this? This is that time, and this is that car. This is the world's first VWB. Equipped with transparent doors to eliminate reasonable suspicion, whatever that means. A 10 and 2 steering wheel that keeps hands visible at all times. We remove the glove box so there's no confusion about what the driver is reaching for. With a touch of a button, the ultrasonic biometric scanner displays the license and registration of the driver to ensure contactless exchange of information. With no trunk, nothing can be concealed, so therefore, there is nothing to search and seize. To ensure you will never be mistaken for breaking the speed limit, we've installed limited edition airless tires. And we remove the engine because, honestly, why risk it? DWB, the first vehicle of its kind, where the safety feature is the car itself. This is the Hervoy Morit Show on today's News Talk TNT Radio. It's it's our final segment with Rick Rozoff, who's been doing amazing work for many decades, and we're talking a lot about uh, a lot uh, hardcore geopolitics in, in the previous segment. Um, and you know, you, you're talking about talking about uh, Putin, and you know, you and I have talked about this last year, um, and there seems to be this myopia. Uh, again, we don't have to spend too much time on it, but. Um, there are people in especially westerners and alternative media today who uh say xi jinping and putin can do no wrong multipolarity is going to save us it's uh all, all that stuff but you know clearly we see that's not the case there are people you know yuri roshka folder former moldovan politician that i am in contact with and who i've interviewed he was a hardcore putinist he was friends with dugan he was in that camp and he's saying well wait a minute you basically have an oligarchy that runs the Kremlin, just like an oligarchy that runs Washington, just like London and everywhere. There's really no difference there. And they're on board with a lot of the globalist stuff. Uh, and so, you know, your, your thoughts on any of that, as well as um, where you think we are with the Great Reset, with, you know, the, the, this project for world governments, um, globalism and whatnot. 
Well, yeah, I know it's it's hard to condense uh, this into a, a brief discussion, but let me say this, right? Uh, recently, I believe yesterday, and one of the Russian uh, quasi-officials uh, places, Sputnik or, or RT, they were quoting the defense minister, Sergei Shoigu, um, Lloyd Austin's counterpart, right? Uh, Austin is talking about uh, you know, the possibility of uh, NATO getting directly involved in the war with Russia. And, and Shoigu is, is quite transparently boasting. I mean, he's pounding his chest and he's boasting that, uh, for, I don't know how he came up with this precise figure, but 444,000 Ukrainian troops have been killed or maimed Right. Like this is something to brag about. Right. Almost half a million people who I'm sure have absolutely no say in, in how their their government is conducted. Right. You know, the the, um, the Pinchuks and the Kolomoyskis, much less the Zelenskis, like they really consulted with the families of these 444,000 young Ukrainian men who had their legs blown off or have post-traumatic uh, stress disorder or are dead. And this is something not one brags about. And similarly, you know, Ukraine and the West behind it is bragging about a comparable amount of Russian casualties and things. So if you take the high-end estimates from both sides, you're talking about close to a million casualties. And would humanity not pause? For, I mean, is 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 catastrophic and horrific as are the numbers I'm hearing coming out of Gaza up to 30,000 killed, right? This is a multiple of that. And with as little effect. I think it's one of those cases where a war begins. I was thinking, you know, when we were going to be speaking, there, uh, a century ago, there was a an Austrian journalist, Karl Kraus, uh, also dramatist, and, you know, very acerbic fellow, but uh, very good at coining epigrams. And it's one that I think applies certainly to the Ukrainian-Russian conflict, if not to the Gazan one. And his, his statement is, war is at first the hope that one will be better off. Next, the expectation that the other fellow will be worse off. Then the satisfaction that he, he isn't any better off. And finally, the surprise that everyone's being worse off. And if that is not a perfect summary of the, of the Ukraine war, I don't know what is. Uh, so I do have to ask what, you know, and I, I know what the answer is going to be. We can anticipate them, right? Uh, NATO expansion is being stopped or global unipolarity is being, uh, 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 you know, augmented or something or other. But, the, you know, we have to remember, I, I know I keep harping on this every time I'm on your show, but I just hear so little discussion about it. You know, there's a human factor here, right? You know, a million casualties in a war where, you know, very little territory exchange hands, and there doesn't seem to be any ultimate resolution for it, except, you know, uh, Putin today also, I don't know if you saw, you know, th uh, uh, broached the subject of there being a nuclear war, if the West continues acting as it does. And then you have Lloyd Austin, you know, broaching the possibility of NATO becoming directly involved. So uh, there may be a resolution, and the resolution isn't one we want to see, right? So that I think that, and let's go back to Gaza for a moment. I mean, everyone knew from October 7th that Israel would do whatever it damn well chose to do, and that uh, the West would, uh, you know, some disclaimers to the, you know, to the contrary, you know, would essentially support it, and that the United Nations, Russia and China included, would go along with it. Did anyone doubt that? So uh, let's let's talk about the new emergent Russian-Chinese alliance. How, how does that affect the, uh, what's going on in Gaza? Uh, China, by the way, is Ukraine's largest trade partner. I think that's worth you know looking at, as well as the fact that it recognizes Crimea as being part of Ukraine and not Russia. So I think you know to go back to where we began. Um, I don't say it's intentional misinformation or disinformation, but there's just a lot of white noise out there. 
And uh, stories are being spun, uh, again, always to assuage our concerns, put us to sleep so that we don't have to do anything because somebody's taking care of it, right? Putin's taking care of it, or contrary-wise, the other side is taking care of it, NATO's taking care of it. Uh, somebody is going to take care of these problems, and we can just sit back and relax and, and uh, you know, spout off a little bit about it. But we really don't have to be concerned because some authority is taking care of it. No authority is taking care of it. Not the United Nations, uh, not BRICS on uh, and, and that end, and certainly not the, uh, the US, the EU, and NATO, which are fanning the flames of every one of these conflicts. So uh, we just have to grow up and, and assume responsibility as world citizens. Trust the plan, right? Or the <laughs> queue, right? It's the same. It's just, that's why you know, Rurik Skywalker, it's a pseudonym I've talked, he calls it Xeonon. You've got QAnon, then you've got Xeonon, the, the, the Russian um, version, where we're getting down to four minutes um, to midnight. Uh, any thoughts on the situation in America? You know, there, whatever one thinks of, of Trump, um, there he, he was taken off the ballot in Illinois, so we can't vote for Trump, uh, Rick, I guess. <laughs> Because I'm, I'm from Illinois. Uh, thoughts on, you know, there's the talk of second civil war in, in a month's time. You got a civil war movie coming out. It's like they're poking us. They're like, hey, guys, start something. Uh, and, 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 you know, there's this, the, the dollar issue, the financial stuff. Um, and, and any further thoughts there? I think two trends are very disturbing that uh, it's been around 30 years or so, but the fragmentation and um, mutual antagonism between different demographic groups in the United States, uh, utilizing the tool of what is sometimes referred to as identity politics, that is, to, to use the exact language of the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, immutable physical characteristics are being used to define and, and pit against each other uh, people, and this accelerated I think opportunistically, but it was accelerated against the background of back uh, drop of Trump's announcing his candidacy in 2015. So it's been going on for nine years. Um, I am convinced that Trump is the pretext and not the cause for this, right? That he is simply a good poster child for accelerating this, this sort of stuff. But I, I'm afraid that once it goes on, uh, once the bad blood uh, become so bad, uh, it's it's irreversible. You're not going to be able to reconcile people when one side believes that some people, simply based on which continent their ancestors came from, are irrevo irrevocably evil. Um, you can't, uh, when you have the, even the very genders pitted against each other in, in uh, war to the death, war to the knife, I don't know how you put the pieces of Humpty Dumpty back together again, if, if indeed. So that's my major concern. The other one is um, in a crisis like this, you know, let's look at uh, 1856 in the United States right before the Civil War. You had the emergence of a new political party because one party was no longer serving its function. That was, of course, the Republican Party, and it gave the nation uh, Lincoln and the Civil War, to, to continue with your analogy. Um, if, if, if the party, that, if the forces that support the Democratic Party, and I make that distinction, if the forces that find it expedient to use the Democratic Party would have their way, and one has to say this, whatever one thinks about Mr. Trump, uh, you would be living in a one-party political system. They would stack the Supreme Court, they would have, uh, control both houses of Congress, as well as the White House. And uh, the only countries I know that have a one-party political system are those who uh, call themselves Marxist-Leninist, you know, China, North Korea. Right? 
And uh, if that's, I mean, I, I would urge that people look at structurally what that means. You know, if these kind of demographically driven uh, politics continue in the United States, you may end up with a, uh, a different political system altogether. It's um, crazy times, Rick. Uh, hopefully I see you soon for some Chicago deep dish pizza. Uh, hopefully I can make it back there. Always great uh, ch chatting. Hopefully you, you join us again in the near future. You should st you should start a Substack. You, at least you know some something easy where you put your thoughts out and, and people can learn uh, from your analysis. But uh, uh, always also always great. Uh, thanks for being on um, TNT. Thanks again. All right, I'll be right back after this break. <laughs> 